Hello and welcome to season two of the Like, Click and Share podcast. I sound professional, don't I? We've only just made that up literally like five minutes ago. Like, let's make this a season two. If you missed the first 20 episodes, I can't believe we've got as far as 20 episodes, but if you missed the first 20 episodes, definitely go back and have a listen to uh, a couple of them. There's some really great podcasts that in there. Um, but as usual, we're going to have a, a mix um, of different subjects, some interesting topics um, that kind of might be helping you out with your kind of current situation. Um, at the moment, well, kind of a big topic because we're coming to the end of the summer holidays, people going back to school, back to work um, and thinking about maybe the next quarter ahead and certainly maybe even like what 2023 holds. So we thought it'd be really good to talk about upskilling and kind of like career. And as Gemma was reminding me, upskilling is a really broad (laughs) term. It can mean so many different things. And that's why we've chosen that term. It's quite sort of deliberate. So um, inside today's podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about maybe a little bit about our journeys um, and kind of like how we got to doing what we're doing now and see if that kind of like resonates with what um, your your, um, career journey is like. But we'll also talk about maybe some of the, the um, different career pathways, um, the clusters within those, um, how you can upskill at work, um, the best or the top jobs, um, according to Coursera, um, and some of the ingredients that you need to um, upskill as well. So hopefully um, lots of um, interesting information and insights. Um, and there will be some information in the show notes as well. So definitely check those out as you're listening to the recording or check them out after um, you finish listening to the podcast. And if you like what you hear, please um, definitely subscribe. Um, and if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, you know, have a look at what we've talked about before. Um, but if there's anything you'd like to talk about, or if you'd even like to appear on the podcast, um, then just have a look at the show notes and get in contact with us. And uh, we'd, we'd love to have you. But back to today. And just before we kick off, how was your summer, Gemma? Did you have you had a good summer? It's not quite finished yet, but how's it been yeah. for you? No, it's been great. Um, been on holiday, managed to get away. Um, little did I know that we were both going to the same part of the world. Ah, it's a bit weird, <laughs> that, isn't it? You're within a week of each other. Yeah. Just days apart. So yes, both of us have been to Zadar in Croatia, and I'm sure you'll agree, Dee, it was amazing. I mean, what yeah. a beautiful place i mean i went for my mum and dad's 50th wedding anniversary um so they paid for us to have this amazing villa and we stayed just outside in, in a place called souk roshan which is about 15 minutes away from zadar but i mean just everywhere with the, the people the food the wine definitely the wine the wine was amazing the croatian wine because i think that part of the country is what it's quite famous for they do slightly different grapes so They've got their own version of what would be like a Sauvignon Blanc, or their own version of what would be a Pinot Grigio, and it's got a different, their grape's slightly different. And you wow. That grape and that part of the, obviously you didn't, you didn't do No, that. I didn't. <laughs> I'm listening. I went on a, I went on a, um, went on a tour around Zadar um, for, I just, I just went on my own actually, um, did this two hour tour walking around Zadar, seeing like lots of different um, buildings, getting told more of the history about how it came about and the reason that there's so much Mediterranean food, like pizza and pasta on the menu, because they were ruled by Venice, which is just across, directly across from where Zadar is on the coast. And then when we finished the um, tour, 
we went back to the office and one of the guys was explaining he was doing this wine tasting thing and talking me through different um wines and grapes and what they were like and I'd actually just literally been that morning into the spa and looked on Google to find the top 10 wines in Croatia and I picked number three and number four and I think they probably were the equivalent of about 15 pounds a bottle there but here would have been like 35 or 40 and apparently he said I couldn't have picked two better wines if I tried so I thought well I'll pack on the back for dinner. Nice. I, I definitely tried some of the local beers and they, they were really great. And like you say, the, the prices, they're, you know, they're not absolutely um, rock bottom cheap, but, you know, depending where you're coming from, certainly mm-hmm. in the UK, certainly if you go to some of the big cities, um, London, Manchester, um, you'd be nearly probably paying about £5.50 to £6 for a, a pint of... At least. Yeah, at least. At least. Um, whereas like there was roughly about three three pound fifty for something equivalent, if not maybe slightly, um, mm-hmm. yeah, better. Um, so I, there was some really sort of you know it was affordable to to go out and have like a couple of drinks, even coffees were maybe like a you know um, like a, a small espresso. Uh, I say small espresso because uh, there were kind of different varying sizes of espresso i just really thought that yeah. you just had one espresso and you can have like a seven gram one which that was roughly about a pound in sterling um but then you know maybe the normal size espresso you might pay about one pound 30 so you know maybe about one just under two dollars probably just slightly underneath that actually um which is sitting out on the mediterranean you know being served um and I, I thought it was very, very affordable, even eating out, you know, really good quality yeah. food. And you weren't rushed, were you? You know, you're kind no. of you're left there to, to want you to enjoy. And they, they want to get to know you. If they've got the time, they'll get yeah. to kind of like know you as well. Um, everyone, was, was really, everyone was really friendly. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think that you did. But I mean, I did drive every day. And the, <laughs> the driving um, at first, for the first day or so, until you got used to just people flying all over not using their indicators people pulling out all these scooters and stuff um but once you got used to it it was all it, it was all right um it was just so expensive to rent a car it's about the equivalent of about 100 pound a day i think yeah which is a well i think which for is, me i think that's a lot anyway i don't I, know yeah i do yeah I, th- I don't know what the comparison is in many countries in the world i imagine the us it's quite quite a lot um from, from what I've kind of when I've hired in the US and that before and even I think different parts of Europe I think Spain is quite it quite expensive but I think it's because the insurance is a, and you have to have the insurance because like you say yeah. the the risk is much higher and that possibly is what it's down to um mm-hmm. but and it, yeah. it is quite it's the first like the first few minutes you're like what is going on like people it's just so different I've found that probably pretty much in most countries that I've driven in, uh, apart from the likes of America and Australia um, and maybe Cyprus, because Australia and Cyprus are driving on the same side of the road. America, obviously, they've got similar, they've all, all got similar types of rules to what we have. But um, I don't know, I didn't drive when I went to Thailand, but when I watched out the hotel window and just it was just like a free for all as soon as the light went green, there was no like lanes or anything, everybody was just on bikes and just went for it. it seemed to be a little bit like that down, <laughs> down by the water. 
near where we were um because all these scooters were just flying from nowhere and people um going the wrong way down one-way streets and stuff so that was a bit <laughs> it was a bit hairy shall we say a bit scary <laughs> but it was all once you once you got that once you got the hang of it and you realized that that was what was coming sort of thing when you were going down there then you were all right but once you got into like the main city into the door it was slightly different um a different experience driving so yeah People yeah, definitely in, different between the old town and the yeah, yeah. yeah so definitely have a look. Get round. Yes, yeah, you have to. Uh, there's a there's a, a fixed route um, yes. around the town. It's not a it's not a big place. Um, yeah, so once you're in, you kind of have to follow it around. And that, but um, definitely have a if you've not heard of this city before, and uh, you may have already been inspired to take a look. So definitely have a look. Have a look at Wikipedia. I'm sure tend to have loads of like photos and that there. Um, but um, yeah, definitely a, a place to go or know more about anyway, or mm-hmm. plan to travel ahead. Um, I think uh, kind of as a segue into today's chat, I was listening to because I did a, 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 I did an Airbnb, which I think you did as well, didn't you? On kind of maybe one of the, did you Airbnb? We did on the, yeah. we did on the last, we did on the last night. Um, we stayed in Zadar itself on the last night, um, and we did an uh, Airbnb, and it was. It was fabulous. The, the only thing that I found, the only thing that I found difficult was the the Wi-Fi just wasn't great, whether or not you were in the city or whether or not you were in the villa that we were in. And I understood, like, the villa because of the location, because it was right up the hill, there was not much around it apart from, I think it was a complex of about six villas that were all very similar. Um, but, yeah, the internet, the Wi-Fi and stuff was, was, was poor. So we were trying to watch the the euros the women's euros match and i'd taken my box over so we could watch it but i didn't take an hdmi cable because i thought that because it said every room in there every room in the villa had a television there was two televisions in the kitchen there was two in the living room and i just assumed that there would one of these eight or nine tellies would have an hdmi cable but it didn't so i couldn't we couldn't get it on we had to we had to watch the women's euro final in croatian and then at the end as soon as the final whistle blew and would won it just cut off so we didn't get to see them get presented with the trophy or anything so absolutely gutted so i couldn't watch it till we got home so yes that was a bit disappointing oh bless yeah i know Well, one of the kind of things that the Airbnb host was like saying to me has just been about the shift to um, definitely much more to service sector and tourism, and certainly in the in the city, um, it's, it's it's all pretty much geared up for for tourism, and I suppose that kind of like shifts into what we're talking about into kind of like career pathway. So, you know, if you find that you know you might be in one. You might, you know, you might have left school, college, or might never even been to school. You just, you just started out, just in into work in one, um, doing one thing or one sector. It doesn't mean to say that you have to stay in that sector um, forever. Um, you can move into um, other sectors, um, but how do you do it, and why should you even think about doing it? So, you know, the reason why you should do it, I think, is. Is it you know it's a lot of work. So what are you going to get out of it? Well, hopefully you're going to get better career prospects. Um, so you might be working in a sector at the moment that might be feels a bit uncertain. So retail is a good example of that at the moment. 
Um, certainly in Zadar, there was no shortage of people, tourism, like people going into the shops and, you know, it's very, very busy. But that might only be for a fixed amount of time during the year. So it's seasonally based um, work. So, but if you're, you know, we, we all need more money now because you know, cost of living has increased massively with inflation um, on sort of goods and services, on food, but also in terms of things like utilities, like power, it's all costing a lot more money. So, you know, whereas beforehand we might have been able to have got enough money to survive off maybe three or four months worth of work in a seasonal job, maybe it lasts us a little bit more around the year, that might not be possible anymore. So you might have taken a second job or you might have to work um, into a, into another sector um, and then use your seasonal job um, as a, kind of a secondary job. Um, so there's a couple of reasons why you should even think about doing this, but also it's just to stay ahead as well and make yourself more, more employable, be open to, like, to more opportunities as well. And it may not sound an, an amazing reason why you should even bother thinking about sort of like upskilling and spending money and time to do it. Um, but when you're when you're working in an environment perhaps which is you know suddenly quite changeable, you have to be quite agile. You need to be flexible with your skills and that to match some of the different um, jobs and the needs from employ, uh, employers and the economies as as times change. And the more, I don't want to say you need to be ultra flexible and be able to do everything because I don't think that's a great thing to say. But I think definitely you need to have maybe maybe three, you know, a good three or four different types of skill sets. So if you can't do something, you know, if, if there's no opportunities maybe in retail, then you might be able to do something um, maybe in kind of tourism or you might be able to do something kind of like business. Um, so, so, you know, and you can utilize some of these skills from one sector to the next. So that's, again, something you could have a look at before you even think about, you know, um, you know why am I doing this or what type of career should I be going into? So looking at kind of, doing a check of law well what can I do right now so you know maybe making a list of your skills and are you happy about your work um do I need to be thinking about changing career um and then kind of like starting to see um where um those opportunities exist at the moment so um I had a look um before we started this podcast um and there's a link um to this article um in the show notes below it's from a website called zello.world zello x-e-l-l-o um i didn't read too much about too much about the, the the company but kind of what they were saying was it seemed to resonate with with me quite well and and they come up with um six different career pathways so arts and communication business management and technology industrial and engineering technology health services human services and natural resources agriculture now i'm not going to go in and define all of these because this is not a lecture and i'm sure you want me to be here for hours talking about all of this but so definitely have check out the article and um, to read more about it but i thought it was just nice to hear it's actually well these are the main places that you could work you know what out of those you know does sounds intriguing or might sound interesting like to you like to work in so that's maybe somewhere you could sort of maybe sort of think about um, you know, so you might already be, so we said retail, so you could be working in retail, you might be working in tourism and you're thinking, actually, I've done this for enough time now, I don't get enough money, I'm not treated very well, the hours are not very good, 
there's no prospect i can't really move on um so what else can i do and you might still want to stay in the sector but then you might want to do something different so that segues into the clusters so within those kind of um different pathways uh, that we've mentioned um you've got a series of clusters so agriculture food and natural resources architecture and construction arts audio video technology and communication very broad business management administration education and training finance government and public uh, administration health science hospitality and tourism human services it law public safety correction security manufacturing marketing sales and service science technology engineering and mathematics and then transport distribution and logistics so the reason I've read them all out, I think, is just to you can understand actually there is such a huge range out there, and very often you can feel. I, I know like I've gone through this myself that you feel a bit trapped. You're thinking, well, I can only I've only got this skill, which means I can only do that. You get yourself into that way of thinking, and that is so far away from the truth that all of us will have different skills. You just don't realize actually the different types of things you. Um, you're doing within that job so for instance if you're you know just a server or waiter it's not just about serving food and drinks that's about maybe sort of taking money so you've got financial um controls there it's about time management being able to get take the orders get back deliver those orders go and collect the food remember the people who are paying their likes and dislikes um, dealing with any problems like sort of customer service relating being kind of like punctual how you're kind of dressing and being sort of smart your appearance um so you, you can see there are already kind of a, a number of different um skills that you've got just from doing um just be, maybe just doing sort of waitressing or um or kind of like just serving food and drinks um and there might be other responsibilities you might have to open and close the bar um, you might have to open and close the till. You might have to cash up at the end of the night. So you've got all these other additional management controls as well. So when you think about those different um, skills in, that, in your role and begin to list those down, because those are that, that that's what makes up um, us as a personality. It's not just about you know you as a person. Um, you know your likes dislikes your hobbies and interests but it's about the skills that kind of shape your personality and make you attractive other to other employers what you might take for granted in, in your in your job is might actually be a requirement somebody else that might actually need that in their business so for instance if you know somebody's looking for maybe like a supervisor um, or maybe not quite a manager but somebody just to fill in um you know, to, to step up to that kind of management role later on as their as the business develops. So they might be looking for somebody that's already got the ingredients, you know, in terms of being able to serve food and drink um in a in a you know in a great way um with you know passion and um and really kind of like cares after and their customers um and patrons. Um and then, but also being able to show some flexibility to then level up, and then maybe look after some of the other servers or um, waitresses as well, um, or maybe able to kind of look after the business to allow the business owners to go and do other like you know jobs that are required. So, 
there's always other things that you can offer to an employer that you you know that you just take for granted or most of us just take for granted i shouldn't keep saying you but um but most of us like to kind of like take for granted so hopefully that kind of like helps um but just before we started the podcast and we thought this might be quite nice that you know we've talked a little bit there about kind of why you know the benefits of like upskilling and sort of changing career changing sectors that what the pathways are and clusters um but Gemma for you did you ever think you know when you started out that you'd be doing you know you'd be a um you know a virtual marketing and communications um support you'd be providing that level of service or did you think you'd be doing something different um I don't know it's tricky I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do um I wasn't overly keen on going to university but my mum and dad wanted us to go um so I started off doing I think it was an HND in business and international marketing and then obviously if you pass that then you could transfer onto the degree course plus the first two years were the same and I really enjoyed like the marketing side of things um I never really was one of those people who wanted to be like knew what they wanted to be if that makes sense you know like you talk to some people and all they tell you is oh I want to be a fireman I want to be a policewoman I want to do work as a doctor whatever um I never really was sure but when I got to university I realized that I enjoyed the marketing side of things um and then I transferred onto the degree course which gave me the opportunity to go to America for a year and study um like international marketing marketing communications at the southern university of illinois which i really enjoyed um then i came back did my final year but then found that it was really really difficult to get any kind of role in marketing um like round here around where we live in the northeast so i actually went to work for go northeast for the bus company in customer service and i was like supervisor of the customer service department responding to complaints then I went to work for I think the jury's in at Newcastle and I did like conference and events then I went to work for Sunderland Football Club and I did like corporate hospitality and advertising and a bit of sales and then I went to work for um eventually for a a training provider which was more like marketing based um which i really really enjoyed but they were really really big on um upskilling so they did um a lot of they let me go on a lot of courses and they actually paid for the courses as well so they paid for me to do the google squared online digital marketing certificates they paid for me to do various um website courses various seo courses and pretty much gave me not like free reign to do whatever but there, there was quite a few different streams so there was quite a few different programs uh, programs going on um, and then from then I went to work um, more in like the business support landscape but again it was around supporting businesses through like social media and stuff but it was quite a quite a difference from where I'd started to where I was but I pay, um, and I have done since, what are we on now, 2022, so since 2013, I've always paid monthly to be part of the social media examiners, social media marketing society, and they do two live classes a month, 
um, you've got access to various like webinars and online things because I think with digital you've got to keep upskilling you've got to keep you've got you've got to know because the platforms and everything change so often um, but I think the types of courses obviously that Duke or Digital Training do um, with like the business analysis, the AI, the data protection and everything, they kind of slot into almost every industry the same way as some of these digital courses that I do. I mean, Google have also got some really good free courses to help people with like pay-per-click ads, learning how to do those, building websites, SEOs, getting found online, things like that. Um, it's just setting, the, setting aside the time to be able to do it and trying to be focused and thinking well right yeah at the end of the day even though I've worked all day I'm still going to take like an hour or two once or twice a week to keep learning um because you're not in a job you don't go into a job now at the age of 18 or 21 and you stay there till you're 16 <coughs> your old watch or your clock you know you've got the I think you've got to keep moving and I think if you're a creative person I think you've got to either keep learning or almost like keep changing industries I went um and people used to always say to me you shouldn't be doing this but I always made sure that when I was um changing jobs I usually stayed in a job for two to three years and every time I look for a new job I look for a job in a different sector to help me like learn about a different type of sector but also to help me to be more creative because I think sometimes if you stay in one sector or you only focus on one thing you're in danger of losing your creativity because you develop that mindset of whereas oh well that's how I do it and that's how I'm always going to be do always going to do it, if that makes sense but that's been really really useful for me um working like on my own what being self-employed for the last couple of years um, and I know certainly somebody the other day that I've been doing some stuff for it said something because she'd arranged a call for me to chat with a lady about um, the project she wanted to do and the information that I've been given was about x and then what she actually wanted to talk about was like why and it was com two completely different sectors but luckily sectors that I'd worked in and the sector that she was on about was a sector that I'm quite passionate about anyway um, and interested in and have worked in that sector. So it, it worked out quite well. But had I not done what I'd done earlier on in my career, then I probably wouldn't have been able to have that conversation because I would have been totally caught off guard. Um, the other thing that I think is important is that I think we should teach people earlier on more about skills for jobs you know more about at school you know because not everybody wants to go to university and if I'm honest I probably wouldn't now unless I was wanting to be a doctor or a vet or something that I knew somewhere where I knew the money was going to be worth it because people are walking away from university with like 40 grand's worth of debt and can't even get a job doing what they're doing or working for like not minimum wage but not much more than which wasn't really the whole like point of it um I think for me I would be if it, if I was leaving school now I would probably be looking at getting an apprenticeship 
or looking at a job where I was going to get training on the job to do that job. But I think the schools should be teaching people about turning up on time, why it's important, the types of responses that you give to people when you go to an interview, how you should dress. Do you know what I mean? Like all and other types of skills as well that you need because I think I saw um I saw a post, I can't remember the lady's name. She was she's like an American influencer the other day and she was talking about a a, a maths question that her son had been given and she she went, listen to this and she read out this question. I can't remember what it was and she went, When will my son ever need to know something like that? And I thought, yeah, you know what, you're right. Because I used to think, because maths was never my thing, and I used to always think, when will I ever need to know the gradient of a line or that Pythagoras is whatever it is, you know? I mean, nowadays, you don't even know if you, you don't even need to know if you've got the right change because nine times out of ten you're paying with your card or your Apple Pay, you know? So it's like, you just need to know, did I get my discounts? Have I been charged the right price? And apart from that... I don't really, like for me personally, unless I was going into a career like, I don't know, architecture or whatever it is where you need to know those things, then I think there are other key skills like technology and coding and other things that kids could be taught when they're learning. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I I agree. And it's interesting like to hear like part of your journey. And for me, um, that's very, very quickly... um, when I kind of finished, I did my A-levels. So I did my GCSE, did my A-levels, um, which depending on the country that you live in, they, I think they can be classed as your hires. Um, so before you move into university, I did do very well because I had a different, a difficult situation um, at home at that particular time. So I didn't move into, I didn't go to university. So I, started, I had a part-time job in the supermarket and I just worked my way up through kind of like to, to management. And I had a, a, a retail career for, um, well, probably just under sort of like twenty years or so, uh, probably, you know, just over actually. And then, but retail's changed such a lot, um, and I, I didn't keep my skills. I mean, I, I did did sort of extra um, training, um, you know, in terms of like uh, as a manager, um, mm-hmm. and but that'll only get you so far. And um, while I didn't kind of like appreciate, I suppose, um, was that you know all the new new technology skills coming which were kind of coming through sort of in the early 2000 period to where we are now. I couldn't have appreciated like how the iPhone thing was kind of like changing the way everything was going to work. Um, so I didn't really know about all that type of stuff. So um, so back in sort of 2011, 2012, I decided to sort of change careers. And that's when I did go to university because I didn't really have any money. So in the UK, we get funding from the government. So I took advantage of that funding to go there, change careers, did a computing degree. I don't, I mean, I do use it like now. I did have did my master's in international marketing, so similar to yourself, Gemma. Um, and then, but I, I tend to do more of the marketing, but now starting with the training side, um, definitely more kind of with the computing. So I've kind of used it, but maybe in different ways and, and in a bit of a roundabout way um, just to respond to kind of the market needs and that. But ultimately, I didn't ever think I'd kind of like run my own business. But like you said, there's different ways of doing things and you don't have to go to university these days. Like you can just like, there's boot camps, there's like um, unaccredited training. You can just pick up a course off Udemy like for $10. And um, you can just even pick up a blog, you know, and learn from there. So 
a couple a quick list just before we finish because we've only got a few minutes um but um definitely in the uk uh the things that you need to be you need to have up front before you you kind of start looking for applying for like new jobs or different careers that you need to have um your cv and resume up to date um we're not going to go into great details but definitely use things like canva they give you some really great um resources in canva some really nice professional layouts there ideally try to keep it to one page but definitely no more than two and depending on how much you've got to talk about um and it depending on the type of career you're working in but if it's more creative career that you need to have a portfolio as well to show kind of like the work that you've done so particularly if you're an artist music or um you know a, a professional artist um you need to have a credible linkedin profile as well so you, you know it doesn't really matter if you've got an amazing CV resume, but then LinkedIn is such a professional place now. Sorry, not a professional place, um, but a it's a highly used platform to find new talent. So recruiters are using that platform. It's a very powerful platform, I think, with the words I was trying to find. So you need to make sure you've got everything on your CV resume needs to be on your LinkedIn profile as well, because that gives you, hopefully, a chance, an opportunity to be found and for people to send opportunities to you rather than rely on users having to keep finding the opportunities and one thing in the uk and um, that i've been asked for quite a few times this year it is really annoying as well is a cpd log so cpd stands for continuous professional development um and depending on the country that you're in you might never heard of that term before um or you might not even just recognize even the need for it but all it is is just a log of the different maybe courses or different webinars or maybe quite significant blogs or articles that you kind of like read it's to show kind of like how you're progressing you know how seriously are you taking your um, career or your full-time job or part-time job or whatever that you're doing so how are you kind of keeping your skills relevant so just keeping a simple excel sheet just with dates down the side um, the name of what you know what the activity or the task is maybe a link to it and then maybe like an outcome a certificate or something like that you can demonstrate your skills um is is really helpful um some of the top skills at Coursera uh, sorry some of the top jobs that Coursera um are saying for this year for 2022 that you could potentially look at um IT manager paralegal technical writer web developer web it's always in there but um be careful with that one um, because it's, it's very competitive um Financial manager, so we're talking about accountancy, medical assistant, software developer, uh, market research analyst. Analyst is massive, statistician. So um, that's why um, on the Duke Digital Training website, we talk a lot about business analysis, data protection, AI, because they all use analysis of data analysis of some sort. Um, and then things like health services manager, um, counselling, um, and also sort of nursing practitioner as well. And these are just very sort of general, sort of this just a general trend. Um, so in your own country or your location um, demand, and that might kind of like change, um, but maybe something that might kind of like help you about. Um, and just a final quick list here before we kind of finish. Um, Gemma mentioned some of these, actually what she did um, or what she's doing now, but sort of join you know, different things, ways you can upskill yourself quite easily. So joining an industry or professional association. So you heard Gemma talk about um, that she's with, uh, was it social, what was it? Social, social media, media Examiner. Yeah. 
the social media marketing society. Oh, social media marketing. So, so look at the different associations. It might, you know, some of them might be free. Some of them might end up involve a small fee. Have a look at relevant courses outside of the workplace, but be careful about the time constraint. If you if you're going to embark on a twenty week course, four hours a week, have you got that amount of time? It doesn't sound a long time, but four hours between you know six and ten in the evening, it might just be too much for you. Um, have a look at doing sort of career mapping opportunities at work to maybe set up committees or boards or lead on a project, um, and then just look for opportunities like um, in your own network or clubs and societies maybe ask for opportunities at work as well we're into the last minute here we're kind of up to the wires anything else you want to add Emma I don't I don't know I mean there's there's a lot of certainly for digital and I'm sure it's the same for everything there's a lot of there's a lot of like free resources like later later.com they do their blogs are always amazing um the content market institute their blogs are always amazing um the i did i did share something i don't know whether it was earlier this week or last week on the Duke or digital training website uh, uh social media about there being 750 computer jobs posted daily Wow. I didn't know in that. In the UK, in the UK, um, there's also a huge skills gap. There's a, um, again, I shared a government report thing. Um, I can't remember the name of the people who put it together, but who was saying that there's a huge skills gap for things in digital tech, AI, business analysis, things like that. So, if you're looking to get into something where I think there's probably more longevity then i think they're the types of courses and things that you need to be looking at and upskilling and i think if there is a cost involved then approach a new employer um i know the one of my employers that i work for they would pay for me to be part of the social media marketing society but the employer that i worked for before they paid for that they paid for the google digital squared um, digital marketing certificate which at the time I think was about two and a half grand they paid for these other courses for me to do and I think if companies want to retain their best talent you know and, ha- and are happy with the workers that they've got there then they will invest the money um, yeah. because they don't want to keep retraining people because there's that cost element in the gap between your trained person and your untrained person and getting them un- up to speed sort of thing so just ask I think that's, that's really good advice. Yeah, people can can only say no, and and if you don't ask, you don't get. Um, yeah, and you, you might you might they might offer to pay half, you yeah. know, to take half the half the load, you know, so you're only paying half the money. But you'll, I think you you are best off asking because I think as well it shows a company that you want to stay with them, that you want to grow, that you want to help them future proof the business, you know. Yes. So I think it's it's always worth asking. Um, I feel like actually we could. There's so much more um, we can talk about in this podcast. I think we'll probably revisit this one um, later on and maybe kind of break this down a little bit more. But hopefully, you found this really interesting and and really helpful and got a kind of few ideas and insights. Um, anything that you'd like, if there's any questions, 
um, that you have about the podcast, get in contact um, with us. All our details are in the show notes. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, so this has been episode 21 um, of the Like, Click and Share podcast. And um, hopefully we're here for, oh, you'll hear us on uh, episode 22 fairly soon. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye for now.